your walk with God, you're going to come up against an enemy like that who is going to look at you and say, I am determined not to leave your life. And you've got to say, well, you may be determined, but I've got another one inside of me who's more determined than you that you are going to leave my life. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. No matter how great the temptations the enemy throws your way, He who lives within you is greater than he that is in the world. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, taken from the beautiful Song of Solomon. Last time on Life Talk, we ended with a Shulamite, who is a type of the church, testifying of the greatness of her beloved shepherd, who is a type of Jesus, to the court women who illustrate the world. She perfectly pictures how the church should witness of her great shepherd, the Lord Jesus. But now the Shulamite is about to experience the greatest testing of her life. Solomon seems to have been moved to jealousy over her love for the shepherd, and without warning, he appears and begins to court her aggressively. First, he tries flattery. We're going to see how his flattery resounds, then how it is rebuffed, and then how it is resumed. This is better than any soap opera you could watch on TV. So let's go right to part two of the message, An Hour of Testing. For once he had lost the game. You want the devil to say that about you and me? There's something in us he could not win over. There's something in us where he, he lost the game. Oh, I'll tell you, that moved me. I just had Holy Ghost bumps just now. I mean, we need to be the place where the devil comes knocking and he finds something in us that he can't win. He can't win us over. He can't seduce us away. He can't persuade us to go another direction because we are our beloved's and he is ours and his banner over us is love and we are not interested. That's the whole picture here. He's lost the game. We got to think here of the Shulamite as a picture of the church. And as the Shulamite reminded Solomon of things he could not personally conquer, Satan sees in God's people likewise that which he cannot conquer. And didn't Jesus tell us this? Listen, we got to know who we are. If we don't know who we are, then he's going to find a way to get at us. But when the church realizes who she is, then, oh man, our resistance to the enemy goes way up. Jesus placed his hand of anointing and power on us on the day of Pentecost. He promised that all the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. Now, I know the church has made mistakes. I know it, I know it. Listen, I've been debating atheists on tweet, Twitter, or whatever it's called. I made a bunch of them mad at me. I've been having some hearty debates with some atheists. And I had to say to them, y'all are not good atheists. No, I'm serious. There was better atheists in the 1800s and 1900s. I can name them. There were atheists that could really give you a run for your money intellectually, and you had to really be ready for them. But the atheists around today, all they do is mock you and ridicule you because they don't really have an argument. What I said to them is this. Listen, you can't 
talk me away. You can't win me away. You can't draw me away. I'm not even remotely interested to entering into the vacuum in which you live because I have met a Savior. I have met a shepherd, and he really is the love of my heart. Ben Johnson, Robert Ingersoll, they were good atheists. I mean, on the argument level. But Jesus said, even though the church makes mistakes, and the church has certainly, which those atheists always tell me about, the Crusades, the Inquisition, all these things, they bring it all out. But all they can ever really point out is the mistakes church folk have made. That's it. That's their argument. But even though the church has made mistakes, ultimately, the bride of Christ, the body of believers called the church, the blood-bought, redeemed, spirit-filled body of Christ... The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Though there have been assaults, though there have been attacks, though there have been failures, though there have been all these things, yet the church marches on, the church marches forward, and one day the church is going to be raptured up into glory by the power of the living God. The church will prevail because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Got to preach a little bit. As Solomon had to admit that he had been conquered by the Shulamite, he said, man, I've given it my best, and she's won. So Satan must admit that he has been conquered by the true blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. Can we give God praise for that? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, next, we see the Shulamite rebuffing the unseemly advances of Solomon. She doesn't take long. She says in verse 11, I went down to the grove of walnut trees to see the fruits of the valley, to see whether the vine had budded and the pomegranates had bloomed. You say, where's the rebuff in that? What is she talking about? I'm going to tell you. She's giving a testimony. He has hit her with all this artillery. Now she's saying, Solomon, let me give you my testimony. Let me show you where this all began. So here's what she says. This is the rest of the verse. Before I realized it, my strong desires had taken me to the chariot of a noble man. What's the chariot? Who's the noble man? What is she talking about? Here it is. The Shulamite rejected Solomon's advances instantly and fully. After all this heavy-duty flattery and everything, she rejected it outright. She wasn't interested, and that's the best way to deal with temptation. If we toy with it, flirt with it, ponder it, or entertain it in our minds, down we go. When do you deal with temptation? Instantly. You don't debate with it or argue with it. You don't let it build a nest in your mind. You immediately shut it down because that's when you're the strongest. If you entertain it, dwell on it, ponder it, consider it, entertain it, think about it, with every passing minute, you're growing weaker. We learn from the Shulamite the way to deal with temptation is immediately and reject the temptation fully, okay? As verses 11 and 12 reveal, she simply turned around and walked away. That's what she did. Now, what the Shulamite said in that strange verse we read was this. Solomon, let me tell you how this all happened. Let me tell you how I got in front of you like I am right now. I was minding my own business going about my duties of inspecting the orchards and the vineyards. I was 
as we read way earlier in the Song of Solomon, her brothers had put her to working in a vineyard. And so there I was in the orchards and the vineyards, and suddenly I found myself surrounded by the chariots of the nobility. Your chariot, Solomon, they came to me. I didn't come to them. They approached me. I wasn't looking for them. She continued, I was not out sightseeing, Solomon, hoping for a glimpse of you. Oh, wow, Solomon's in the area. Let me see if I can go spot him and look at him and admire him. No, that's not what was going on at all. Such a thought was far from my mind, she says. I'm innocent of any curiosity about the presence in the country of a royal entourage. When your entourage came into my area, Solomon, I did not search you out. Now, folks, I want us to learn from her now. She wasn't hunting for sin. She went out looking for it. She wasn't surfing the web. She wasn't going into a singles ministry like it's a meat market. Thank you. <laughs> she wasn't yielding to inner promptings to look for something wrong. She said, it came to me. Solomon, I want you to know that. You're used to women running after you. But I want you to know I wasn't one of them. Okay? Get it, boy. I'm about to deflate your huge ego. I was not out to find you. That's what she's saying. I was simply going about my own business when all of a sudden I was swept up by some of your servants. And my liberty was taken away from me. I came under attack. That's what happened, Solomon. So after all this flattery and all this, you're first and all the flock of goats and all this other stuff, she said, let me tell you the truth. I ain't interested. I was never interested. In other words, I've never desired to meet you. I did not end up here by my own doings. You kidnapped me. Your men brought me in front of you, and you think I'm going to fall at your feet and thank God that I'm number 141? I'm not interested, and I've never been interested. Your servants are the ones that stole me away against my will. And this is the Shulamite's way of telling Solomon that she wants nothing to do with him. Zip, zero, nada, nothing. Her rebuff of his advances couldn't be clearer. And again, we see the church here, and we can learn from her single-minded devotion to the shepherd. This is how you win. And you say, Pastor Jeff, I would love to have that kind of devotion but sometimes I just feel myself pulled away and lured away. And I wish I could say I was always in love with Jesus and overwhelmed with these feelings. But Pastor Jeff, I'm not. There are times I feel as worldly as the world. There are times I feel weak. There are times I feel like, am I saved? I understand that. And I'm going to shoot straight with you, okay? To be in love with Jesus and stay in love with Jesus takes effort, it takes discipline, it takes being in that word every day, it takes daily confession of sin, it takes keeping your heart clean, and if you don't keep your heart clean, it means confessing it to him. If you haven't kept your heart clean, listen. Never let yourself get further than 24 hours away from God. That's what I'm saying. And it's when you put yourself continually in his presence, the fire continues to burn.
But you got to do that. If you don't do that, if you get away, if you break away from your devotional time, if you get away from your daily time with God, I will drift. You will, any of us will drift. It takes discipline and honesty with God. And there's nothing you can tell God that's going to shock him or surprise him or make him say, you have got to be kidding me. You? And now he knew before you said it. He doesn't need the confession. You do. You've got to keep the record clean. We all stumble, James assured us, we all stumble in many different ways. We're not teaching or preaching perfection up here. We're teaching honest pursuit of God. And you're going to fail and I'm going to fail. We all make mistakes. But this Shulamite, what she did in the heat of temptation, in the heat of assault, in the heat of the enemy right in her face, She kept her eyes on the shepherd. She bragged on the shepherd. She remembered the shepherd. She rehearsed the shepherd. She was shepherd-focused, and that's what I'm saying to you tonight. She did not have one foot in the world and the other in the kingdom. She didn't flirt with sin. Solomon, the seducer, responds to her. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're about to hear a desperate man. These are the words of a desperate man because he's thinking, oh, my gosh, This really is the one that got away. I cannot win her. And I'm going to forewarn you. What is in this is in the word of God. I'm just going to read it to you. But now he's freaking out. His ego is in major trouble here. Listen to him. Return, return to us, O maid of Shulamite. Well, where is she gone? That she's got to return. He knows he's lost her. Come back, come back that we may... See you again, he says. And this is the first time Solomon calls her the Shulamite. First time. And it's also the first time the name is mentioned in the entire song, that she's called a Shulamite. Now, let me tell you what that means. It's generally believed that Shulam is the same as Shunem, a village that was just north of Jezreel, and it's mentioned several times in the Old Testament. That's where her name came from. Calling to her, following her rebuff, was yet another appeal of this seducer to draw her away in unfaithfulness. Please note with me, he's like the devil. The devil doesn't give up easily. Have you ever noticed that? The devil doesn't give up easily. I was reading in my devotional. I've been reading about how the children of Israel took over the promised land. And several times it speaks of certain Philistine nations. And it says this of them. When the children of Israel came to kick them out, it says, let's say the Amorites. The Amorites were determined to not leave. And the Israelites ended up not taking them, but putting them into subservience to slavery because they were just dead set determined not to be kicked out. And the devil's just that way. There are times in your walk with God, in your spiritual warfare, you're going to come up against a demon like that. And I say a demon, I'm not saying you're possessed, Christians aren't, but I'm saying a battle, a, an enemy like that who is going to look at you and say, I am determined not to leave your life. And you've got to say, well, you may be determined, but I've got another one inside of me who's more determined than you that you are going to leave my life. So there's some battles that are going to take some blood, sweat, and tears out of you. And here comes the devil again, Solomon, to lead her astray. Just like he did Jesus in the wilderness, he attacked Jesus 
several times, over and over and over, until it finally says he left until an opportune time. So he left for the moment, but he didn't leave for good. Now, starting in chapter 7, Solomon resumes his temptations, hoping for an opportune moment to win the battle against her. He now, we're going to see him dropping all pretense, and he's going to come at her with unblushing boldness. If he couldn't win her now, he knows he's lost for good. So he begins with a bold, sensual description of the Shulamite. Here's what he says, verses 1 through 5, chapter 7. Now he starts with the feet. <laughs> How beautiful are your feet in sandals? Any girls ever had that? This guy has got lines I've never heard. How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O prince's daughter? The curves of your thighs are like jewels. The work of the hands of a skillful workman. Your navel is a rounded goblet. It lacks no blended beverage. I don't know what that means. And I don't want to know what that means. <laughs> All right. Your waist is a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Your two breasts are like two fawns. Twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes like the pools in Heshbon by the gate of Bath Rabim. Your nose, what a nose. It's like the Tower of Lebanon, which looks toward Damascus. This is going to be good on radio. All right. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel, and the hair of your head is like purple. I know some ladies that could say, hey, man, my hair is purple. A king is held captive by your tresses. Now, folks, this is full on. Pedal to the metal, attack. Her feet, her thighs, her navel, her waist, her breasts, her neck, her eyes, her nose, her head, and her hair are all praised. It's like a machine gun of flattering words that are coarse, crude, and sensual. But I want you to notice something. Not one word about her character. Please catch that. Not a whisper about the great woman she is on the inside. And this woman is great on the inside. She's a great woman. His whole focus is physical and lust-driven. Do you catch that? Did he say anything about her patience, her love, her gentleness, her loyalty, her faithfulness? Did he say anything about character at all? Nothing. It's all outside. He cares nothing for her as a person, only for what she looks like. And believe me, that kind of focus isn't going to last into old age because beauty fades. Handsomeness fades. Looks fade. Just look at some of the movie stars that were hot property in the 60s. You go, oh, what happened to you? Seriously. Or just look at one of these with makeup, without makeup things. I'm sorry, ladies, but... So this focus, she's not going to be number 141 for long. There's going to be a 142 and three. She's just there for the moment to satiate his lust. Now, next we see Solomon's outright burning desire for the Shulamite. 
He senses he will not have her. So words more desperate gush out. Look at verse 6. Oh, how beautiful you are. How pleasing, my love. How full of delights. You are slender like a palm tree. Your breasts are like the clusters of fruit. The mask is off as Solomon is exposed as a passion-driven man, burning with the torturous fire, and I mean torturous, of inner lust. He's enslaved on the inside. He goes on to say, I said, in verse 8 and 9, I said, I will go up to the palm tree. I will take hold of its branches. Let now your breasts be like clusters of the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and the roof of your mouth like the best wine. This guy is getting carnal. He's getting nasty. I mean, this woman has never even been with him. Listen to him. He's making a fool of himself. Notice the I wills. I will go up. I will take hold. I will get what I want is the sense of it. He made up his mind to seize her by force. Why? Because he could. Now here is laid out for us the stark difference between love and lust. Catch this carefully because we're in a lust-driven world. We're in a pornographic culture. We're in a porn nation. Lust is the driving force of America, not love. So here's the difference. We can see it in Solomon. Love can wait. Lust can't. Lust won't. Love does not insist on its own way. Lust always does. Always. If you love me, you will. If you loved me, you wouldn't ask. Love thinks of the other. Lust never thinks of the other. Lust only thinks of itself. Well, I don't know about you, but I can so identify with the Shulamite as she struggles with Solomon, who is a picture of the world and its temptations. And I'm also very encouraged to watch her rebuff all of his temptations in favor of her shepherd, who is a picture of our Lord Jesus. This book just gets better and better. Now, don't touch that dial just yet. Our announcer has some great stuff to share with you, our Life Talk listeners. And join me again next time for another exciting message from our life-changing series, The One That Got Away. Until then, I pray God's richest blessings be yours. Isn't it great when things are a little easier? Like connecting to Life Talk Radio and Pastor Jeff on your mobile devices anywhere, anytime. Then here's great news. Now, Pastor Jeff, Life Talk Radio, and Turning Point Church are just a few clicks away with a new TPC Family app. With the new TPC Family app on your mobile phone or tablet, there are loads of helpful features to keep you connected in an easy and fun way. Watch Pastor Jeff streaming live on Sundays and Wednesdays from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Or watch on-demand videos from recent services you may have missed. Listen to Life Talk radio programs on demand, today's broadcast, or catch up on any of the great teachings from Pastor Jeff on past Life Talk programs. You can even help continue Life Talk Radio's outreach and impact on the nation with the gospel by giving securely online. Now you can even text your gift to Life Talk and the amount you would like to give to 30131. 
and you'll find contact information and directions to Turning Point Church, upcoming events, broadcast station listings for Life Talk Radio, and much, much more. Plus, the new TPC Family app is free and available on Apple or Android devices. To download the new TPC Family app, simply type in the keyword TPC Family as one word with no spaces in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and get connected. So what are you waiting for? Download the free TPC Family app today and make your life a little easier. An hour of testing is the eighth message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.